All right, welcome back, stylish leaders. Matthew Simmons here. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast episode. Want to give a quick shout out to everyone listening on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Breaker, Google, uh, Radio Public, and Pocket Cast. Thank you all for listening. And again, thank you for following us on Instagram at Stylish Leadership and also the same on YouTube. So we're going to do another entrepreneurial spotlight. We're here with Danielle Reed, who's in the finance industry. Uh-huh. So I'll let her introduce herself here and explain what she does. And we'll just kind of talk from there. So. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. Thank you, Matt. Hey, guys. My name is Danielle. I am a financial coach in the area, uh, DFW, if you guys are from here. Um, You guys can follow me on Instagram and Snapchat and also friend me on Facebook. It'll be in the um, bio or in the summary. Or would it be, Matt? Uh, for to get with you or to get with um, just to follow me social media and stuff we'll put that in the uh, information on this episode yes sounds good okay so uh, a little bit about me i'm a financial coach i am located or my office is located in grand prairie um grand prairie texas and i work you know i i like to focus mainly on millennials because we're often being overlooked but since we are you know the now you know we are actually the the future I like to focus on us, um, but still I don't bypass the older generation, Gen X and all them. Um, but I do like to, to teach on investments as well as, you know, the, the proper of money and uh, finances in general. So, Excellent. And so what are some things that you notice that are, nest, that are needs for this generation financially? Um, saving for sure. Investments. Uh, a lot of millennials nowadays don't believe in, you know, investing for retirement and stuff. They think, you know, I'm too young, so I don't really need to focus on it right now. Uh, not knowing but that the longer you wait, the, the more you lose out on investing and the more you have to invest in order to meet your, uh, you know, required goal or whatever goal you want to have at retirement. Um, also, not knowing the importance of money. There's a lot of millennials uh, that are in debt. Student loans are a big deal. Um, and just they're, they're growing, continuously growing. So that's a big problem that uh, we normally uh, procrastinate on. So, yes. you know. Teaching us about that, um, and as well as, you know, just insurance in general, life insurance, because a lot of us are having children younger, getting married, starting families, and not knowing the importance of insurance. So all over just, you know, financial well-being and education is what we do here. Which is that, which is amazing information, Danielle, because that, we don't learn that in school, we don't learn that in college, and we don't learn that in the workforce. You know, it's right. we Absolutely. really don't know it. There's a whenever we're going to college for business, they teach us, or for finance, you know, they teach us all these things. But a lot of the simple, simple financial tricks that we aren't taught can go a long way, and that's what I'm here to teach. So I love talking to millennials, love you know educating them and showing them a better future for tomorrow. So. What is some feedback that you get from some of them that you sit with for the first time? Uh, Mind-blowing, you know, for sure mind-blowing, especially the ones who are in debt. I've helped a lot, you know, with their debt. Debt stacking, one of the principles we use. If you guys follow Dave Ramsey, he also does debt stacking. He calls it debt snowballing. Um, So that's what we focus on. And then as well as showing them, you know, the importance of rate of return because most 401ks that they're investing in at work. For one, uh, the rate of return isn't that great. So showing them a better one that's more a little more aggressive where they can actually get some growth on their money. Yes, and I know that some uh, individuals that they say, well, if, if they leave, go from one job to the other, they usually just roll it in one for one can to their, from one job to the other job. Do you advise that? Yeah. Is that something that you do advise? Mm-hmm. Go okay. ahead. Um, well, you can do that. It all, it, all, it all depends. You know, you can do that. They could take it and put it into a Roth IRA, which I definitely recommend. Um, and then it also depends on what their employer is contributing, what they're matching, because you don't want to put in too much if, you're con- if your employer is not contributing much at all. Also, look at the rate of return. Make sure that it's not, you know, anything less than 3%. 
And even if it's five, four, five, or six, it's still too low. So I, I recommend, you know, making sure you know what's going on there. And also, you need to check on it regularly because it always changes. I mean, the employer is not looking out for your best interest. So make sure you look out for your own, right? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Would you say um, for individuals, that, I mean, work insurance is usually available at most workplaces, if not all. Mm-hmm. And it's usually very affordable. But mm-hmm. some people have fallen to the trap of saying, well, I don't need life insurance because I have it at work. Mm-hmm. What, what would you do to advise Well, I do let them know that, you know, 90% of work insurance doesn't pay out. Um, and like I just said with the investing, would you put your family's, you know, benefit at the hands of your employer? I mean, who loves your family more, you or him or you or her, you know? So make sure that you always have your own private stuff, not even just life insurance and investments as well, that you control that you have your hand on at all times. I know I've sat with many clients who tried to look at their group life insurance, not knowing that it's not even a policy, it's just a contract that you sign. Mm. Um, also, it's a hard, hard, hard thing to get a hold of. You know, they take yeah. the time getting, getting back to you with that. So I love to know, you know, if you're having this much of a hard time getting it, just to look at it. How hard do you think it is going to be for your family to get it if your time comes? Yeah, because that's, that's something that you want to know before something happens, not after. Right. And a lot of people just, that's something that they don't want to talk about. Or think about. Or think about, because they yeah. think it's going to make it happen, but uh-huh. it's going to happen anyway. Right, so. and so they wait to the last possible minute and then find out that, you know, yeah. we're screwed because we, we didn't expect it to be like this, and this is exactly how it is. Yeah. So it's always important to have your own stuff. Um, and also, a lot of employers nowadays, I know Sears cut all their benefits um, so if they cut their benefits, that's including the life insurance. So now all those employees have no life insurance at all. And who knows if anything was to happen, you know, after the, during the time period that they had the life insurance through the group, if they had any terminal illness that they were diagnosed with, any health problems. Now that the insurance has been cut from the company, they might not even qualify for insurance outside of it. So, wow. And, and a lot of people like to put off insurance until they think that they need it when they get older. But doesn't insurance get more expensive the later in life you go? Absolutely. So it's best to get it the younger you are. Uh, 18 is the age you can get it at, you know, personally on your own. And the younger you are, the cheapest it is. I definitely recommend doing um, term life insurance because you get more bang for your buck. It's definitely a lot more value for, you know, such little amount that you're paying in. Uh, I don't really recommend any cash value, and that's something that I would, you know, sit down and talk to my clients about why and actually educate them. Um, but as far as, you know, insurance goes, I recommend term because it's super cheap. The older you get, I mean, just ask yourself, when we get older, are we getting healthier as we get older, or does our health start to decline, unfortunately? Yeah, usually it declines. Unfortunately, it declines, right? So it's best to get it when you're young because you never know what's going to happen. I had friends who, um, a close friend who, who um, has a family now. And when she was pregnant with her little girl, she was diagnosed with lupus. Mm. Well, now you, you don't qualify for it. Right. So it, it's tough because you have a terminal illness or just an, you know an illness in general. So. Yeah, and this and this is a life insurance seems to be a very I mean for millennials in particular it seems to be a an unheard of topic because it sounds boring you know when you think of life insurance it's just like I mean what what is life insurance what is insurance and then you think about retirement you know they think about like well you know I just want to make money right but you need to save money yeah and they're like 65 I can't touch this until I'm 65 years old yeah I'm not interested hey I was one of those kids so I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna down you guys I was one of y'all because when I was first setting up my investments for retirement I was like man I'm 18 
I'm not going to see this for years and years and years. It's like, I'm, I don't really want to do that. But then I realized, you know, that's $100, $200 that I was going to spend elsewhere on shoes, on clothes, on food, anything else. Why not go ahead and set that aside? I'm not going to see it anyways. So just set it aside and get used to it not being there. Um, and you can start here with me. You can start as low as $25. Uh, but I recommend, you know, the older you are, obviously, the more you're going to have to invest. And same for insurance. It's a boring topic. But, you know, the funny thing about insurance, especially life insurance, is that it's America's best kept secret to creating generational wealth. I don't think people really look at life insurance as a wealth building game plan, more so as a debt. Yeah, to bury it's an someone. expense. Yeah. Uh, it's an expense to bury someone whenever that time comes. But actually, life insurance can also be generational wealth builder. How so? How can that? How can it be? So basically, let's say you had a million dollars, and this is you know a huge presentation that I normally don't do over the short period of time. But let's say you had a million dollar policy, and let's say when your time comes, that million dollars, the average funeral right now is about twelve to fifteen thousand. So the million dollars isn't just going to be towards the funeral. You know, a little mm-hmm. chunk is going to be towards there, but also to bring in income. Because that's what insurance is. It's basically income replacement. Whoever your breadwinner is or the husband and the wife, you want to replace their income for basically a period of time. So while you still have all the debt, while you still have the mortgage, you know, while you still have the children, you want to replace whoever's income as if they were still there, even though they're no longer here. That's what insurance is. But let's say you had a million dollar policy and you used a portion of it to take care of the income needs, the cash needs, and then you had a chunk left over, put that into an investment vehicle Mm. preferably like an annuity to where it can grow take out another million dollar policy or a five million dollar policy on yourself and so on and so on that's how you create that wealth you know that's why the jewish community is the richest community in america because they understand how life insurance can be a wealth building asset so and and these are these are the kind of information uh tools informative tools that most americans don't know and then you start hearing things you've heard things in the news for the past i don't know the past six years it seems like oh the 1% Occupy Wall Street was just dogging the 1%. But if you look mm-hmm. at the statistics show that the 1%, just to be in the 1% in this nation is to make roughly between four to $500,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I mean, it, at first that might sound like that's a very large number, but if you really just reconsider it, that's not a whole lot of money. Right. If you really apply yourself in, in entrepreneurship right. and in business, it's really not a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly if you invest well and save well. And they use these principles. It's not a lack of, um, it's not, people aren't withholding money from people. They're, they just are not aware of the wisdom that's out there. Right. Which is what this podcast is for, right. is these tips. Yeah. Um, and what do you find in, um, in the debt area? Like, what are some problems that people have? And are there some areas that people can start looking at and say, don't go there? Well, let's say, uh, for example, when tax season comes around, people are getting their tax returns. They normally give the government way too much mm-hmm. and getting not filing their taxes the right way. And I actually, I uh, had my, my dad came across it with one of his clients, but not filing taxes the right way to where they're getting a lot back. You know, when, when they're returning, when they're filing for the taxes, they get a lot back. Basically, you gave the government a, a lot of your money for them to go and do whatever with, and they're just giving you back the scraps without interest. So they're giving back what you invested minus the interest, and they should be giving you an interest on that money. So what most people do is instead of taking that and putting it towards an investment, they'll take it in, you know, buy this and buy that or take out this or, you know, put it down for a a car payment or, you know, stuff like that. Rather than investing it to build more wealth, they go and spend it and create more debt. Mm. Yeah, so they just eat the the Mm -hmm. revenue that they could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, also with the debt, 
a lot of credit cards. Yeah. You know, making minimum payments, and they I love how they advertise. With my credit cards too, they, they say, you know, $25 minimum payment, $35 minimum payment. And it's, let's say you have, um, you know, a huge balance. Like, let's say you have $10,000. $25 minimum payment every month is not going to pay that off on time. Yeah. And so that's where the debt stacking comes in. Where you actually want to raise the payment just a little bit. And then once you pay off that card, use that same amount of payment and add it to the next one. And add once you finish that, use that same payment because it's going to be doubled now. And add to the next one, and so on and so on. That's how you acquire debt stacking. So. Yeah, and the problem with credit cards is, is that people think that they're getting away with um, not paying for something, but it's all going to come back and get you in the end. And unfortunately, the interest rates on some credit cards is like twenty to thirty percent. It seems yeah. definitely in the twenties. And if 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 I'm looking at the interest rate that you earn on your, um, there's a problem right there. Talk about a scam. Like the credit card, you have to. You pay them like 20 some odd percent interest, but your investments don't even get that. It's like there's a problem there. Yeah. You know? Especially when you're when you're sitting at your bank, you're paying the if you have a credit card through the bank, you know, they're charging you a high percentage for the interest rate. But when you're actually saving your money and they're investing that in the global economy, they're giving you pennies towards the dollar back for you. So it's like they're not even giving you the same amount of interest that they're t- requiring from you. Um, it, credit cards aren't a horrible thing. I wouldn't say that. Because if you can take free money, take free money mm-hmm. and just pay it off, but make sure you're on it and make sure you aren't really doing the minimal. Um, but definitely with the investments, I would rather than having your money saved at the bank, I would put it into an investment vehicle. Yeah. Um, even there, they do have investment vehicles that are like savings accounts mm-hmm. that are actually keeping pace with inflation because it, at the bank, you're not keeping pace with inflation. So inflation is going at 3%. If you're not getting anything at three or more, then your money, you're actually losing money. Your money is depreciating. Yeah. Most people don't know that. Yeah. Banks are usually like less than 1%. Yeah. It's like 0.012, I think. So they're very, very, very low. And if you guys know anything about the rule of 72, you know it's going to take a whole heck of a lot for that money to double. Like 1,000 years or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So most of us, we actually haven't, a lot of people haven't learned that rule. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a big deal. And so I love being able to sit down with people and educate them and just seeing them have that wow moment, you know. And then like, oh, my gosh, there's, I didn't know that this could happen like this. I didn't know that I would be able to achieve this amount of income or this amount of, of my savings, you know. So it's, it's just a great feeling when you can sit down with somebody and show them that. Yeah, because, I mean, things compound. People don't realize that. People are so into the adding and subtracting principle. Mm-hmm. But there's all, but really things multiply, mm-hmm. good and bad. And people see the multiplication process and the compounding of their credit cards. Mm-hmm. But that can also apply to the gaining money mm-hmm. in, your, in, in everything. Absolutely. And, and what did you, so do you feel like millennials in particular struggle with credit card debt mostly or student loan student debt? Student loans. I see a lot of student loan debt, yeah. And they then they want to go right back to college and, you know, get a higher degree and uh, defer their student loans. And not that deferring your student loans is a bad thing. I mean, if you can defer, if you're planning on going back, defer them. But most of the time, it's like you're going back to get a degree and then how often, how many of them use it. Yeah. So it's and, really tough. And usually when you look at what they're going back to school, because I went back to school. I went to get a master's mm-hmm. degree. And um, I got about halfway through it and realized that it just didn't wasn't going to work out because mm-hmm. fortunately, I was, the Lord blessed me where I was able to pay for it out of pocket and I didn't have student loans. Um, but most people don't have that ability. Right. 
And what they do is they end up going back for a job that promises them maybe 10000 more a year, mm-hmm. and they can't even pay for the interest for that, mm-hmm. and not a lot, let alone that. Because, I mean, I have family who has a lot of student loan debt, mm-hmm. and they don't even have the ability to pay the interest, let alone the bulk of yeah. it, the need of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a big problem, and, and a lot of people are, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and you're looking at social media trying to keep up with the Joneses or everyone, mm-hmm. and they want to look rich, but really wealthy people don't look at it. They mm-hmm. just are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Most of us see um, rich as in being the vehicle that we drive and, you know, the clothes that we wear. Not really knowing that rich is really what, how much money you have in your bank or how much money you have saved. They think rich is how I look when I'm driving and I have the newest car and all this and all that. But most of them can barely even afford, you know, having the new car and having the nice fancy house. When really they don't even have the accumulated savings that they need to live off of that. Yeah. Because the big thing is you want to live be- uh, below your means, you know. Right. Living paycheck to paycheck, we assume that that's, you know, making, I don't know, like 500 bucks, 500 bucks a week. But if you're making $500 million a year and you're spending $600 million a year, you're going right. to be broke. Right. If you're spending more than you're getting in, I mean, it's right. common knowledge, but people don't really, it doesn't dawn on them until they hear that. It's like, well, yeah, because we see people who make, I mean, there's so many athletes mm-hmm. that we see. I mean, I mean, there's so many athletes that, you know, they make millions of dollars hundreds of but millions they even. don't know what they're doing with it they don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing with it they have all these friends that come out of the woodwork all these relatives all of a sudden that no one's heard of they have you know they have managers and, and advisors who can advise them but most of the time they're getting ripped off by them too yeah. so you know it's a big deal um that's why it's really important to be educated yeah you know in in the in the money game because a lot of people are going to take advantage of you yeah and so if you don't know you know it's just it's going to happen so. Yeah, and then I hear a lot of people say, well, you know what, you know, like, a, a two, you know, I don't want money because it brings trouble. And it's like, well, not if you're educated, it doesn't bring trouble. That's right. a lack mentality. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I wouldn't say money, you know, brings any trouble or brings any evil or is the root of all evil. Um, money's there to provide the type of life that you want to live. Yeah. Whether that be, you know, way up there, whether that be below your means, it's there to provide. It's just... It's just a provider for the type of life that you want to have. So it could be your best life, you know, it could be a mediocre one. It's all, you know, it's all up to you. So. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, either, I've heard a, a Christian pastor and a Jewish rabbi give two good principles on it. Uh, da- rabbi Daniel Lappin said that in, in uh, the Jewish culture, they believe that the more people you serve, the more money you should make because you're serving a need. So if your your income, if you don't have a big income, that means you're not serving a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the Western, particularly in particular in many Western Christian circles are like, well, it seems I would be greedy for wanting money. But um, Robert Morris, who's a pastor of Gateway Church here in the Metroplex, said, um, yeah, he said in um, his book called The Blessed Life, which was mm-hmm. a, an older book, but really good. He said that the spirit that you have over your money is either mammon, which is greed. And he mentioned that in scripture. And I've talked about that briefly in another episode. Or it could be the spirit of God of how you bless it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that God doesn't want you to have money. It's just that he doesn't want money to have you. Right. And a lot of people this disconnect. So when we talk about money, they just turn off because they either see it, some either some people abusing it either in either the secular world or the Christian world, mm-hmm. manipulating it, or they just don't understand the principles. So they just look at money as an evil thing. But in reality, it's just a tool to get things done. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just try it. There's no, there's no, um, there's no glamour and there's no feel good story in being broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there just isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, God wants you to be successful to fund his kingdom on earth. Right. And these are, but these are principles that you can see 
that you he can talks apply. about it. Yeah. He talks about it too. So I know he had, um, there was one verse I was reading where he had three, three followers and they each had, I think it was 10,000. Um, and one of them took it and basically in our terms invested it and doubled the money. Mm-hmm. And the second one also invested it. It wasn't as much, but he also had a good investment on it. And the third one decided to be safe and conservative and save what God gave him and put it, you know, like in his mattress where it didn't grow at all. And actually he was frowned upon because he did that. And God's like, don't take my money and I'll do anything with it. Yeah. You need to invest it and grow the money. So yeah. I couldn't, I can't quote the, the verse that I got it, but it was maybe, I don't even want to say because I don't know which one it was. Maybe Luke, but. So, yep, that's, he, he doesn't want us to not do anything with it. Make yeah. sure you guys are investing because that's what we should be doing. Yeah, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much. And if you look at what happened there, the one with the ten talents. There you go, ten talents. There you the, go. The one with the ten, was, yeah. The one with the ten talents, one was, I think it was, one was ten, the one was five, and one was one, or something like that. Something like, yeah. Because I know, he, yeah, he, and he gave the one with ten the other guys so yeah yeah and what and what in the world we say is is oh the rich get richer but really in reality what there is is that the kingdom principle of the faithful people are getting more assignments and you know because if you look at people who are successful they seem to get more tasks or Mm -hmm. assignments and people are going to them because they know that they'll get the job done Mm -hmm. and people with the wrong mentality again it also goes to mindset will say well why does that person always get the good break Right. Well, they were usually, they were always faithful with something. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to like, okay, so for instance, um, I'll use a sports analogy, uh, basketball. Um, if you have the, you're, say you're Golden State, Steph Curry is arguably the best shooter, either him or Kevin Durant. Uh, you're going to want the ball in their hands. That's not unfair to the other players. Why don't you give them a chance? I don't want them to have a chance. I want the best players in the league to right. have a chance. That's just the way it is. And so that's that principle. If you're faithful what you have, and if you hone your skills, if you're faithful with your talents, then you're going to get the other opportunities. So we're just equipping you to, to get those other opportunities. Absolutely. To be faithful Absolutely. what you have. And money, uh, last I checked, everything requires money. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not the most important thing, but it's up there with oxygen. You know, we yeah. don't have it, we're dead. So. Money doesn't buy you happiness, but it buys you options. Absolutely. Yeah. It Absolutely, it does. You know, and every every time that you go around, you know, it, it takes money. And mm-hmm. and and there's there's a scripture that I always uh, quote, and it's in Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It's one of my life verses. I have many, but it's it is he, um, God gives you the power to create wealth. So He gives you the power to create wealth. You know, there's a saying that an old saying where um, if you feed if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Mm-hmm. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So you know, I could give you. Uh, you know, I'll I'll use a good example of this. Um, there's an a, there was a story that was told. Would you rather be given a a, a million dollars? Would you be rather given a penny? Yeah. Would you rather have a um, is a million dollars or a penny that doubled every day? Yeah, a doubled every day. Mm-hmm. And of course, you would think that it would be a, a million. Oh yeah. But penny. over over time, it was a penny. Yeah. And I challenge you, the listener, to go look up that analogy. I'm mm-hmm. actually going to give you an assignment because we can sit here and tell you. But I would rather you go look it up, mm-hmm. be a stylish leader, and go take the initiative because you'll find it over time. By the end of the end of the thirty year, thirty month period, thirty, 30 day period, thirty day period, okay. In a, yeah, okay. it's um, way more than a million. Yeah, yeah. but it, I mean, if you take it, you take the penny, and you double it. You're not adding, but you're doubling it, so it's multiplication. Mm-hmm. You're doubling it every day. Then it definitely grows to be 
a huge pocket. Yeah, you know. but it takes patience because you don't really see the result until day 20-ish even because it seems like it's not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But 100 goes to 200, but 200 to 400, 400, 800, and then it's just like boom, 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 and then it just it just becomes big numbers. And that's for us as millennials because we don't have patience. Yeah. So being able to have that patience and set your money aside and just let it grow mm-hmm. is a big deal. And I know it's something that's difficult for us to go do because we're just like... I want it. I want it now. I want it quick. You know. So. Yeah. Because we've we're, we're, we see all the you know we see fast food restaurants. We see instant this, instant that, speed dating. We mm-hmm. see we we think we see mm-hmm. quick results with people. Mm-hmm. Well, this person's like twenty one and they're already making five hundred thousand right. a year. Well, they might be, but you don't know their story. You don't know how they're doing it. Right. You, you don't know. know what they went through in this like entrepreneurship. When you have the people who are like uh, Grant Cardone and and. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk is another one. Okay, yeah. Who are making it like, it seems like overnight successes because, you know, they just popped up, but it's it's been so long. Yeah. That they've been working towards it. Yeah, so. and you don't know the story that they that they went through. And I heard, I think it was Grant Cardone said it. Either him or Vaynerchuk said, I'm a, I'm a 20-year overnight success story. Mm-hmm. You know, many people are. I mean, and look at uh, uh, one of my favorites is Colonel Sanders. He didn't make it big until he was in his, at least his 60s, maybe even older than that. I mean, he was mm-hmm. about ready to kill himself. Yeah. I know Ray Kroc, he, he was in his like late 40s, early 50s, mm-hmm. whenever he founded McDonald's, you know, when he, when he took it and distributed the whole model, he was, he was older, you know, yeah. and his story, he was doing a lot of other things that just wasn't panning out. And yeah. So and, and that's the entrepreneurial recipe. You know, a lot of people, they, they go into, they, they want to go into business for themselves and then they go in and they fail and then they stop. When in reality, all you have to do is just reinvent yourself. So many people just reinvent change themselves. It. Yeah, change it, tweak it, yeah. move on from it. Yeah, I know we talked about that on one of our um, our YouTube videos yeah. about that. So. Yeah. yeah, failure. Yeah, failure is your greatest teacher. I mean, it really is because if you don't fail, then you don't learn how not to do it. I, I've said this quote before. Peter J. Daniel, who is a, a billionaire from Australia, um, he was illiterate until he was in his adult years. But then he quickly became a, 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 he's a, a Christian philanthropist and has become a billionaire. And he was – someone asked him – um, how, you know, you know, he failed in business several, several times right. and he just, he just said, I, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, well, I just learned seven ways not to do it. I think Thomas Edison said something similar on the light bulb. Like I learned like thousands of ways yeah, not to do it. Yeah. You, just, you learned how not to do it. I mean, I've done that. I mean, I've learned ways not to do this, this, that, or the other. You just learn how not to do it. And people don't want to do that because it seems like, you know, just because I, I, I encounter people who are going into entrepreneurship you know and they say um there's two ways of that i've i've seen this in the education process one is they go to school for a degree in entrepreneurship and i'm just like you should just go ahead and just do it like don't i you know just do it like yeah. don't i didn't even know they had that they do to study there's a field there's a you can get a bachelor's wow. degree in entrepreneurship and i'm really like really we're gonna just go do it yeah you know and um and I I'm I'm privileged to be on a, a board of directors for a, a local school. Uh, they have a school of entrepreneurship, and what they actually have them do is actually have them create a business model. Yeah, I was and gonna pitch say it. that rather than going to school to learn how to be a business owner from an employee, because mm-hmm. that's what that's what the teacher is. He's an employee. Yeah, he might have done something on the side, but he's an employee of the school. Rather than going to school to learn how to be a business owner from an employee, go out there and learn how to be a business owner. From a business owner. Yeah. Go and find somebody to mentor you in business ownership and hit the ground and start running. Yeah, because you can learn from a professor who's a professor 
we could learn from a business owner who actually is a business owner because one can teach you book knowledge right but one can teach you okay this is how to hire this is payroll this is inventory this he is teaches you his pro- how what he did yeah he teaches you how not to fail the way he's failed that's what mentors are supposed to do do it this way because i've done it all these ways and it didn't work out yeah to follow this process yeah and that's how you find success with business owners yeah and that's not something that because in because a lot of people and they you know work taught in education is don't cheat you know don't cheat don't copy other people's work and you definitely don't want to ever plagiarize but there's a difference between plagiarizing and there's a difference between copying successful people right you get into the workplace it's almost you know we've we've become so ingrained of don't copy don't copy mm-hmm. that we almost feel like we have to go do something totally new mm-hmm. so i have a bunch of entrepreneurs want, i want to do the new new thing well it says in ecclesiastes that there's no new thing under the sun mm-hmm. so um you're not gonna do anything really new just learn right. make it your own right and you know it's like people ask me it's like what's stylish leadership it's my own right i mean i'm probably yeah. not i'm not teaching anything new i'm just teaching it matthew simmons's way and with matthew simmons's sphere of influence like right. with you and others yeah. um i'm just doing it you know and i'm learning from others i'm not trying to do something new i'm just god gave me an idea and i'm just doing it my own way absolutely you just go do it but so don't be afraid to take from other people and glean and, and do do what you can do with other people's information. And don't be afraid to fail. Just use failure as a stepping stone or your stepping stones to success. Yeah. That's all failure is. You know, yeah. fail multiple times. And then one of those times is just going to hit you where you explode to your success. So. Yeah, because one of these days it's just going to be like catching lightning in a bottle. And you don't know when that moment's going to be. And that gets me fired up because, you know, you get discouraged. And as an entrepreneur, many of your entrepreneurs are leaders. You know, you're going to – it's automatic – yeah. It's gonna happen. I mean, there's the there's that little graph that says your success. What we think is success is just straight to the top, but it's really this jaggledness mm-hmm. and backwards and all. You know. Yeah, and I see one with the glacier. Yeah. Like, like the glacier is super pointy, but you don't see what what's underneath. You mm-hmm. know, getting it up there. So. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, and then another one that I like is the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence because there's a reason. Yeah. You know, what makes grass green? Yeah. You know, so I, you just have to understand that. Don't wish to be somebody else. Just be faithful what you have. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's your money. We're going to, you know, to, to go back on the money thing, um, since this is more of a financial, the more of the finance piece of stylish leadership. Right. You want to look at uh, how are you faithful with your money? Because a lot of people say, um, and we talked about this in some of our videos, is giving. You know, like people who, you know, give, you know, give your way to success, give your way to, to resource and to wealth, mm-hmm. because God will bless a cheerful giver. Um, but you look at it, uh, you can't, be people will say oh i will start giving or i'll start tithing when i'm rich but really god's saying that's a mindset if you can't give when you have a hundred dollars you're not gonna give when you have a hundred billion dollars you're just gonna and plus you're gonna always want more money and um i just recently watched the uh the movie aladdin with will smith in it how is it It it's very good um and i don't want to give it away but there was one there was one principle in there that he said he said, don't wish for, don't, well, I'm going to say it this way because I don't want to give it away. But he said, basically he said, don't wish for money because you're never, that's never going to be, you're never going to be happy there. But what he was saying is, is don't wish for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And not saying money's bad. Um, and I'm all, that's all I'm going to say because you might not have seen the movie yet at the time of the release of this. Yeah. Um, but if you have, then you, you'll understand what I mean. Yeah. Basically his point is, is don't look for money to fulfill you. Money for selfish reasons is bad. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. Not it itself. And right. so that's what we want to, you know. But again, that's all an education process. And if you are educated on how it works, then it's it's the 
you know, it's the same thing with water, same thing with fire. Water can can bring you life, but it can also kill you. Mm-hmm. Water, fire can warm you, but it can also destroy. Mm-hmm. So it's just how you use it. So it's the same thing with, with money. It's just how you use it. Absolutely. So is there any uh, parting thoughts that you have? Uh, when it comes to money, guys, just make sure you know exactly what you're doing. You know, if you don't, if you don't know how it works, if you need somebody to talk to, reach out to some, some financial coaches near you. Um, you could always reach out to me. My information will be in the uh, bio. So you can always reach out to me and just make sure you guys, you know, be sufficient, self-sufficient when it comes to getting educated on finances. So you'll no longer be taken advantage of and as far as entrepreneurship goes, guys, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a business owner, just go for it. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid to fear. Don't be, you know, fearful of it. Just go out there and, and just fight for success. There you go. That's that's this episode. That's a wrap. But we'll, I mean, we'll definitely be having more Danielle uh, episodes, I'm sure, Absolutely. in the future. And then we'll keep an eye out on our YouTube channel, Stylish Leadership. We're going to be uploading some of our videos that we've done, and we've gone more in-depth in there as well. So, again, own your own style, my friends. You're fearfully wonderfully made, and we'll catch you in the next podcast episode. Peace and God bless.